mini episode 1241 of the FDH Lounge is brought to you by Sportsology, delivering unconventional columns and webcasts about sports, TV, music, movies, and more. Follow them on the web at Sportsology.com. The FDH Lounge. You want to schedule your life around it. A long time ago, on a gloomy, wet Cleveland spring night, two men stand alone amidst the late night drizzle. Their voices echo across the vacant station parking lot as they debate the merits of the great American radio show that have been missing for far too long. On that night, an idea was born. That idea became the FDH Lounge. Welcome to the FDH Lounge. If it's a battle of hearts and minds, though, Jake Digman, and this is what I come back to, if this is about bringing us about, and you've seen poll results here, that, like, uh, our, our, our fellow whites, if you will, like, un, in almost unprecedented numbers, really sort of getting it as far as what registered with George Floyd, the excessive force, getting his neck kneeled on for eight and a half minutes, whatever. Like, this is one of these cases where, not to say that there hasn't been some whataboutism or some type of blaming uh, the victim. I've seen both. But... Far, far less than usual. It does feel like a watershed moment as far as white people understanding that, yeah, this is a thing. And you mentioned, you know, the, the Taylor case down in Louisville and that, yes, these things happen. These things should not be happening, whatever. You want to build on the momentum of the moment. And I will tell you, as somebody who basically got race shamed a good chunk of my life as far as, you know, the presumption, scarlet letter R, uh, this guy happens to be on the right side of the political spectrum, and he's from Parma, must be a racist. Like, you're, in this moment, the more I see it, and the more I see people trying to cancel other people on stuff, and by the way, you know, this is, whether it be Drew Brees or anybody else, anybody that wants to play contrarian at this point, you get what you deserve. Because if you can't read the room right now to realize that it's not a smart thing, whether or not it's a moral thing, then you're pretty stupid. But I, I know one guy who can't read the room at all. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> well, yes, yes, exactly. But it's yes, yes. And I, I think I think we talked about him a little bit before, and we may again here before we're done. And it's a thing where, uh, again, th- th- this is you know the whole thing here too. And I hate to borrow what is so often a woke phrase about teachable moment. But if you want to rip that from the pompous context that it's actually that's usually used in, this is something of a teachable moment. This is a moment where I think people are getting their eyes opened to this and to what happens and what the possibilities are uh, in terms of uh, the police and black America and things that happen like that. So, again, going out there and pouncing on people for not being completely woke or not completely whatever, or you're part of the problem. If it's anybody who is legitimately, honestly struggling to get to a point of intellectual honesty about this and charity and compassion in their heart, then I can't even tell you how destructive it would be to jump on those people as they are trying to acclimate themselves to what's happening. Um, There's going to be a whole group that is um, never going to strongly in whatever it is that they're believing in, and you kind of look at it and go, why are you believing this? Yeah. Nothing, you know, they're, they're, there's, there, we have to admit, there's an entire group out there, there's probably a group, there's some sects of different groups, that go back to the police thing, that would want, you know, all this chaos to happen, that aren't going to speak, and they're going to speak out, you know, and do their thing, but the fact that, you know, so many people came together and kind of had, you know, 
are on the same page as, like, you know, you can't form that. That's where the issue came in. White people just wanted to ignore it. <laughs> that's why they got so mad at Colin Kaepernick. They changed the narrative of what was happening there. They changed the narrative of the reason why he was taking a knee to what fit them as to, you know, the reason for taking a knee. So, uh, can, can I make a controversial statement on your show, Rick? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. There's an issue. Um, I'm going to share a story of this. And, you know, anybody who says that, you know, Colin Kaepernick taking a knee is disrespectful to the soldiers among the died, I completely disagree for this reason. In the United States of America, that's the freedom that our forefathers and our family members, they fought for the right for you to not stand. Every every dictator, communist country, you are forced to stand. When you are forced to stand, that is when freedom is taken away. People don't have to like it. I'm not saying I'm the one taking it. I know what the situation is. I've never done it. Um, but I've also never been really, I've never really been a, you know, like uh, patriotism, that your country is the greatest of all because you were born there. I was born here. Yeah. I, I, I can't, I, 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 you know, I love where, I, you know, I, I love where I live. I love my family. I love all of the same time, you know, just bullshit. <laughs> you call them bullshit. And I had a conversation one time with a uh, uh, friend who passed away. He was, uh, last year, um, Woody, he was a, yeah. uh, uh, an inspector down uh-huh. at, for the uh, OEC. And I had a conversation with him and I said to him, I go, you know, because we didn't do the national anthem at one point, like in like 20, early in mass. And I said to him, and I go, he said, you know, he said, you know, I went to war, so for you not to play the national anthem? Because I represent this country. I go, I'm like, you're disagreeing with but sadly, yes. <laughs> it's not a popular point of view, but it's the represent of freedom. And once we take away the freedom to do that, that's when we were no different from anybody else. You don't have to like it. There are certain things you don't have to like. Sure. And we look at it and go, well, okay, whoa, you know, I wouldn't do that. But okay, you, you can't change the reason. And that's what got changed over time was the reasoning why this happened. And quite frankly, that entire side that we're just talking about are the ones that jumped on that, that made it just to the point where it's like, whoa, because let's be facts, the NFL, who's got the money? The white people. Who are the owners? They're all white. Yeah. Those are the ones that are, that are affecting everything and that are looking at it and going, well, you know, I'm next thing you know, you know, you got the vice president walking out. You got the president of the United States calling them out on Twitter. I'm like, I'm sorry, I think you had bigger things to do. And then, uh, um, you know, you get to that and it, it, it comes back around and you look at it and it goes, now, you know, the fact that the NFL has come out and said, hey, our bad. I also think a lot of these companies, is, you know, because this happens, unfortunately, just jumping on this for PR. Yeah. I mean, quite frankly, I was walking through Walmart, and Walmart had this huge thing talking about how over the year, how much they, you know, they they appreciate their their African American customers and all this stuff. And I'm like, oh, at what point does it become disinterested? Oh, there's a lot of pandering. There's a lot of branding and marketing in this whole thing. A lot of stuff that is just uh, really it's like you, you, shallow. It's like you want to you want to show that instead of just saying all this stuff, you want to show it and mess with these communities that you know we're all just got destroyed. Well, exactly. Exactly. Well, no, but in, but here's the thing, though, and this goes back to what I the point that I was making about willingness to tolerate differences, willingness to, and as I'm as I'm pleading for, uh, as I think you know, there is getting to be a better sense of understanding that uh, the polls are showing a dramatic greater sense of understanding uh, by white people as to some of these realities. 
of, of, of being patient and, 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 and again, hearts and minds here. Uh, and you have to be able to willing, able and willing to tolerate disagreements on stuff. I'd already stated on this, you, I mean, you, I, inadvertently you sort of made my case for me when you mentioned about your friend who went to war who would have liked to have heard the National Anthem play. See, I look at that side of the equation, and I think, gee, if there's any vets that would be offended by flag kneeling, then whatever, then I can't be an advocate for it. If there's any, because, again, I, I really put them on the ultimate pedestal. People have fought for the country, died for the country, whatever. If it would offend any of them, then that, to me, is not a way forward on addressing this stuff. But I'm not going to jump down your throat for seeing it differently. Uh, a lot of people would jump down my throat and call me insensitive. Uh, for not being an advocate for it, but it's that's you know, two yeah. It's just two different perspectives on it. I it is. respect you know, your reasoning. I mean, yeah. Like I said, I can't tell them not to do it because the whole idea of a peaceful protest is something that's going to get people's attention. If you do a peaceful protest, and that's the same thing. That's why there's a lot of frustration now. Right. Every time people are trying to people protest, the white the white people kept saying, "No, don't do that. No, don't do that. No, don't do that. No, don't do that. No, yeah. don't do that." To the point where it's like, you know, well, what can you do? without everybody getting their feelings hurt. And it's like, that's the problem. People focus too much on their feelings. <laughs> like, well, they do, yeah. Like and that's, you know. There's, there's, no, there's no feelings on the side of it when, you know, when there's people that are dead, you're not having feelings. So, I mean, I, and I agree, you know, I, like, on your take on this, I, I'm, you know, we're on the same, we are both on the same side as that. It's just, I, I it's funny. I, you know, you were telling your upbringing yeah. earlier. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I kind of laugh because you say, you know, talking about from Parma. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm like, that's cool. You think, you know, you've got it. Um, I went to Catholic school for eight, for 12 years. Okay. And, uh, I, I grew up in Cuyahoga Falls. Okay. Or should they call it ca Caucasian Falls? I've heard it called that, yes. Uh, at one point they did a, they did a, um, this, one of the Cleveland magazines or something, in a political cartoon with the mayor of Cuyahoga Falls in like, like Nazi and KKK. Wow. Uh, I had a point. My friends and I had a party at our house uh, when I was uh, early 20s. Uh, my buddy and I, or one friend uh, came over, Jarrell, and he was that guy. And he called me and I went down to his car. You know, I thought he had to pick up some beer, right? I'm like, you know, it was for
were racist. Yeah. He doesn't go there, but you know theirs. And it's just like, you look at that and you go, you are the people being oppressed in your own country. What the fuck is wrong with you? Dude, Sorry. If you know what, what it is? What is wrong with you? It's human nature, because every group of people uh, has got to have somebody else to shit on to feel better about themselves. I mean, that's ba that's which psychology the, 101. Which, you know, it ain't... Which is the fundamental flaw in humanity. It is. It's, 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 it's a flaw in humanity. It's like, I'm going to pop down you to feel better. It's like, that's where nobody gets anywhere. And we fighting in the same vicious circle. While, meanwhile, the ivory tower is looking down on it going, yep, everything's working fine. Well, yeah. I mean, that's the unchangeable flaw in our DNA code. And there's there's, there's two points I want to get to as I start to bring this full circle on what you just said there. One is what you're talking about as, as far as, uh, again, experiences uh, with, with, again, people who aren't used to being around minorities and whatever. This is one of the things that, again, in terms of keeping my ears open over a period of time, and, and getting to a point where I, I can be, at this point, intellectually honest and say, yeah, there is a lot of stuff uh, that, that sucks about uh, the black experience in America. Part of it is, that, and you've probably known this as well, people who will interchangeably, uh, in, instead of calling somebody an a-hole, which they may or may not be, they'll racialize it. And like, oh, that N-bomb. And I've always thought in my head, like, why'd you have to go there? Like, you know... I, I've, you know, I've, I've, I, I have a, uh, a now former uh, friend uh, that, uh, you know, a black guy that I was friends with many years, and he and I had some knockdown dragout fights. Never, ever, ever was the N-bomb on the, the tip of my tongue. I mean, he and I would be screaming back and forth, calling the other one an asshole and this and that and whatever, but never did it go there. So the whole thing of, and, and part of it is, and it's one of these things where, the Civil War to Jim Crow to whatever, that, that whole kind of line of stuff there. And it's a thing where, like, you know, our grandparents' generation, you have to like, you have to be intellectually honest and say racist as hell. There were vestiges of Jim yeah. Crow even in the North. It was predominantly a Southern thing, but vestiges even in the North. The one thing I will say, though, is that I don't know that, you know, we, we get enough credit for the evolution in society of where it is completely unthinkable now. Like, you and I, the, the average white person, certainly nobody that was alive at the time could believe it. Could even, the, the notion of signs that say colored drinking fountain or back of the bus or whatever, like, that is so completely foreign to any of us. It, it seems impossible to believe that it existed in our country, but it did, and quite frankly, it shaped a lot of people. There was this mass psychosis, mass hypnosis. That wasn't that long ago. It wasn't. It really, the really. Were still alive. The people are still the, the people who were around then. Yeah. Still, like a lot of people were younger. They're still here. You know? Right. That's the thing. It's not a thing that was ancient history. It wasn't that long ago. Well, and that's the thing. And I remember having some discussions on the show. I think about as far back as '09 on this topic. And the observation was made then that you know every generation is basically more tolerant than the ones come after because we are purging that the the, the, the generations that were you know, that racist and everything like that are, are not as evident, not as powerful anymore. Every new generation that comes along finds it all the more unfathomable that we were ever at that point. So we've evolved on that, and I think society deserves a good degree of credit for the fact that the likes of you and I could grow up not that far removed, not that many decades removed from it, and find it completely unfathomable as we are. So that's, that's my one point. 
is that uh, again that that whole attitude just sort of pervaded I think generationally and it's gotten mostly wiped out but not all the way and there is still progress to be made there. The other thing would be too, and you mentioned about all those years of Catholic school, I mean ironic in that you know I went to CCD a number of years but that was it for me. I never went to Catholic school uh, and yet I'm the guy that's the, uh, that's the lifelong uh, and practicing Roman Catholic. But it's a thing where for anybody, whatever your your whole thing is, and even for you, where I know that you are now, uh, you know, probably I, I don't even know how you would classify it, but probably more so lower s uh, spiritualist at this point, uh, as opposed to religious. But whatever, most belief systems out there, there's a commonality of it. Of the more you understand it, unless it's like flat out Satanism or anything like that, generally the more. No, no, there's, you know what? That's not true. Well, okay. There's some, there's, some, there's some examples of Satanism that people actually do every day and not even realize it. Okay, well. That's another topic for another time. Uh, yeah, definitely, definitely another time. Uh, not, one, of them, one, of them is look, one of them is look out for your own. Well, like, right. Everybody does that. But, like, but, but so here's the thing, is. though. Is it like when everybody's looking for answers right now, that's one of the simplest ones, and it's right in front of us. Because the more that I've gotten to understand, when they talk about the notion of, you know, living your faith or whatever, like, you know, golden rule, treat people how you would want to be treated. Like, the more I find myself applying Catholic principles to things like this and being willing to listen, hear people's stories, uh, have empathy for people who, who've been through bad shit, basically the more I'm doing of that, the better off I am, the better off the people around me are. So, and again, I'm not just going to shell and homer for my own kind of a thing here, but most of us are a part of some type of, whether it be religious structure or something like that, where the more you're practicing it, the more you're living it, the more you're having that kind of positivity and empathy coming out of you, the better off you're going to be on this very subject, because that is sort of at the heart of how you address this very subject. Of, of race in this country is having an open heart and open mind, being willing to listen to people and having empathy. It, it, it's one of those things where you know you, you have to lift people up. Yeah. And no matter what it is, what your belief system is, if your belief system is, you know, I don't imagine you can put other people down because you think they're less than you. Your belief system is broken. Right. Because no one's better than anybody else. On this. Right. You know, I mean, you, you have to look at. My father taught me a long time ago before I even worked. He was, you know, I was going for my first job. So he's like, you treat the CEO the same way you treat the janitor. Now, yeah. everyone, you know, and if, you know, the same amount of respect until you're disrespected. You disrespect it. Yeah. React, react kind. <laughs> yeah, that's just kind of a philosophy that I've always had. But with, with people, then you know, the you know, everybody's a person, and then it's that's kind of the centralized golden rule in all of these beliefs is like you know treat, treat others as you would like I guess you know you're gonna go with mine in honor of what today is like um, um be excellent to each other well, <laughs> yeah. in honor of uh, Bill and Ted dropping today the new, the new trailer for that but uh, well nice um, yeah. yeah yeah you know that's the thing and unfortunately we live in a world that has been filled with so much divisiveness divisiveness and hatred and it's a hatred towards, no matter what it is, of, you know, everything has to be against something. Right. So like, okay, like, you know, oh, well, you don't believe what I believe? Well, then you're wrong. Right. No. You, you, no, I just, okay, here's why I feel the way that I feel. But I've learned, there was a point in time, 10 years ago, I, this whole, we were going on a whole tangent about me talking religion and being like, historical. And I'm like, I'm 
thinking of something and whatever you, whatever it is that you believe in, the structure, and it provides you with something that is inherently good and it makes you be a good person, no matter what it may be, don't take that from someone and don't discredit that. Just fill your own ego and to make people, to make your own ego feel like, you know, oh, oh I showed you. Honestly, some of the biggest a-holes I've ever met in my life are atheists because they're terrible for that. And it's right. like, I've had some great atheists, don't get me wrong, but there's some out there that are, you know, that, you know the good ones because they just leave me alone, they don't talk about it. You know what I mean? It's like, we just don't have that confirmation because of the point, you know? Right. It doesn't, it doesn't go anywhere. And it's like, you know, that's just having a very the sake of an argument. But the worst ones are the ones, you know, that come out there and they decide, you know, how they're just going to insult and, oh, you believe in this, you're wrong. explain some of this stuff otherwise I, I i would agree i mean and as somebody where again you know uh, somebody definitely on the right side of the spectrum but like i said non-trump voter last time non-trump voter this time but i've never nor have i ever defined myself because again 
I'm somebody that actually cares about policies and stuff. I've never defined myself yeah. as a never-Trumper because that's not exactly true. You look at the record, you look at policies, whatever. There, there's a decent amount of policies, like I said before, judges, whatever, that I'm in favor of that, that he did. Not enough to get me to overcome the crazy and vote for him again. But this whole thing, it's on my side of the spectrum primarily with the Trump people. This is what it comes down to. Tribalism's bad on both sides. But as far as worshiping false gods, uh, again, I don't, I don't think anybody on the Democratic side is too uh, pro-Joe Biden. They'll vote for him because they hate Trump so much. But the, the whole, you know, the, the worshiping of, you know, Cheeto Jesus on, on the right side, uh, I'm going to call that out because I have a number of friends who fall under that. Yeah, I mean, yes, so that's... Yes, yes. Like, you, you're, you're actually worshiping a false god. You, you can say he's pushing all these things that are good for Christians and whatever. And look, and I think anything I agree with along those lines, it's purely out of cynicism on his part. He knows where his bread's buttered with the religious right and everything like that. So I'm not going to disagree on the policy side of it. But to clutch him to your bosom the way that you do, like he's a man of God, for, 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 for the love of God, it's pure cynicism. Like, you, you can take it in a bloodless kind of a way and be glad for any policy outcomes that you like the way that I am, but these people personalize it and like, oh, Trump is the new Jesus. Like, I'll never understand that if I live to be 100. Yeah, I don't, it makes absolutely zero sense when you look at who the person is that's behind it. And then yeah. you ignore all that. And like, oh, no, you've been forgiven. She's like, no. Like, you're being conned. Yeah. It's like, like you know, how do you absolutely, okay, but then again, it goes back to the statement I've said a lot of times over the years, people will believe what they want to believe regardless of facts. If it fits their narrative, if it fits that situation, they're going to believe that. And especially, and that's one thing i got to give Trump credit to, that he has the ability to get that message out there. People will be like, yeah, I totally, his base jumps on. Well, you know, again. Like, I, don't see, I don't see how anybody looks at this, like, you know, from an outside perspective and goes like, this doesn't make, uh, okay, <laughs> none of this makes any sense. You think out of all of the options we've got right now that could go in there, you know, they could pick a better choice. I don't know. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I mean, and, and that kind of tribalism is the enemy of figuring these things out racially and getting any no, kind no, of harmony. No, no Joe Jorgensen, the first uh, female president. Dude, that's that right now that's who I'm voting for. I'm, I'm, I, I've never no, voted Joe. for a libertarian <laughs> candidate before, but I'm voting Joe. She, at least she's sane. You know, she's well-spoken. Yeah, she... Uh, yeah. You know, she, I agree with her on policy. Yeah, me, me too. Or, or at least a fair amount of policies, anyways. Enough so that I would. I normally vote Constitution Party when I vote, don't vote Republican, but they nominated this this real turd this time around, and I'm like, nah, I'm not going to do that. So, yeah, Joe Jorgensen. It's so funny because we hadn't talked about this off air, but that's where I'm voting. But it's a thing where Trump, to go back to what you said before, learning how to cut you know, pro wrestling promos. He is a WWE Hall of Famer, after all. You know, and somebody else who who should be and will be uh, one day is uh, a man who uh, you were a contributor to a successful political campaign, Glenn Jacobs, a.k.a. Kane, down in Knox County, Tennessee. And that's the guy where, if you noticed that he tweeted out last week or, or the week before, that one diagram of, it was like, in the middle of the diagram of all these things overlapping, you can be here. But it was all these things of, like, being against police injustice, 
uh, believing that there are legitimately a lot of very good, you know, police, but the, the bad ones should be prosecuted. There should be protests when there is police wrongdoing, but that looting and damage is wrong. It just ends up hurting innocent people. You can believe all of these things. It's the all of the above sort of approach to the situation. And that's the whole thing I think that we're talking about tonight, because this has been nothing if not a holistic kind of a conversation. And it's the kind of conversations that are needed all over the country right now, because you can't even necessarily just put it in the racial silo, because as you said before, there are class implications as well. There are other things about this as far as if you really want to understand and you really want to work to rebuild a better society, and I've always been somebody that's very idealistic in that way, you know, listening, having conversations like this, and everything like that is what you need to do. And it surprises me not one whit that a man with the nat native-born intelligence of a Glenn Jacobs, a guy as smart as he is, gets it and identifies, I think, where we need to be. Yeah, and it's one of those things, you know, that's, that's a strength of good leadership that, you know, shows that you have to identify all facets of all, you know, all sides of what's happening. You can just, you know, go back to, like, it's not, it's not cut and dry. As much as, you know, they're trying to paint it black and white, it's not black and white. Right. There is, a, you know, there's so much more to it that you got to look at it and say, like, yes, you know, this is happening. And, you know, there has to, there has to be an accountability to, to the police that are doing this. And anybody that, you know, that, that goes back to these from reform, and then he, you know, police do needs to be busted up. <laughs> I mean, I'm not a, you know, I posted this thing on Facebook that I've, I've had negative experiences in my life with I believe, I've seen, I know there are good ones out there, I know people that are on part of them, and I get that. Um, I've also seen the part where it benefits those and that the people who are doing wrong benefit from it because they're protected by this idea of, you know, who they are. That needs to be addressed. Yeah. They're, you know, to sit back and for people to look at it and say, well, you're going to this or this. Like, no. It's like, they're on both sides. This is, you know, this is an issue. This is an issue, and this is an issue. Like, you know, um, if the road has a giant hole in it and the building is also on fire, you know, we still have to address both of them. We don't just change everything because of that. You know, that's an excellent point. I actually saw that discussion on, yeah, on Facebook. I didn't join in it because I saw the way it was going, but I agree with everything you're saying, and I have the same skepticism of unions in the year 2020 and as far as how they exist, what they do, and a, and a point that uh, I would even add on top of that, the political contributions that they make. They many times contribute to politicians uh, that the rank-and-file members don't support. Uh, but it is thought that, uh, you know, the union should do it for the, for, you know, to a, for the advancement of the union as it's perceived or whatever, notwithstanding how the union members are going to vote. So there's all kinds of things like that. I agree with where you're coming from, but that's where, again, having good conversations, honest conversations, you know, it, it really sort of is that simple. And, and having a willingness uh, to listen, and, and I, I've even seen some things, and, it, and it, 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 it's so funny because I go back to it too. It's typically more so, I think, woke white people where I've seen it coming from, you know, like, oh, you know, you want, you want uh, you know, black people to explain things to you. Well, they shouldn't have to at this point after everything. Okay, but I mean, if that's going to be the adage, like, how are people ever going to going to learn if they're not, you know, willing to to talk about the experiences, to listen to people that are willing? I'm not saying beat somebody over the head with it, uh, but but if if there are you know if there are white people out there that are legitimately curious and like 
hey man, I want to understand this a little bit better. Can you tell, you know, maybe you've talked to me about it before, maybe I wasn't receptive before, whatever. Would you do it one more time? Like, it needs to be a two-way street as far, as far as having conversations and, and stuff like that. And like I said, getting to hearts and minds because, you know, nothing is really going to change until the momentum of white people really understanding a lot of this kind of stuff, which is where we've advanced in the last couple of weeks, that's where something can be built off of it. And you, you lose that momentum, you go backwards if too many of these people are shamed, like, oh, you're not being a maximalist on what I think we should do, you're a bigot. You know, I, I see too much, it's, it's the toxicity of social media that I see that right now. Yeah. I saw a great interview last night uh, with Antoine Bolden, who was on uh, Trevor Noah, mm -hmm. and he was, he's, he's uh, one of the members of the Players Coalition in the NFL, and basically to bring up like social justice issues and stuff that's going on in the world right now, you know, um, and he's out there promoting that with several players in the league. Part of it, but you brought up a valid point in the fact that because there's no sports and there's no any, there's no concerts, there's no nothing. There's no distractions really. So I think one of the reasons why a lot of people have really jumped on this movement is because there's nothing out there to distract them. Right. And people are so easily distracted right now that you know there isn't anything. So it's like, oh, well, this is happening. Like, well, well, you know. By the way, though, what there still is, and the reason that everything was shut down. To go back to what we talked about at the beginning, oh yeah, by the way, the coronavirus, we are still in a global pandemic. We are still in a situation where it is raging out there, not nearly with the intensity as in April. Uh, that's clearly understood, but it hasn't gone away. You're starting to see more spikes in other type areas. And oh, by the way, what was one of the things that we were hearing about it when it was raging the worst? That it disproportionately affects minority communities. So that doesn't make me an insensitive person to look at these marches and the way that a lot of them are structured, and, and, and I'm including the peaceful ones in it. I've seen images in Philly and in L.A. of people, you know, just for miles down the street, and I wouldn't think anything of it under any other circumstances because it's like, oh, that looks like the NFL draft the year they were in Nashville when they had a couple hundred thousand people or whatever, and you don't think anything of it. Right now, I'm horrified because I'm like, ugh, how many of those people are going to catch coronavirus from this thing here? Like, that's a very legitimate concern, too, and that, you know, the masks, the social distancing, if you're going to be out there and whatever, I'm not, I'm not saying nobody should be doing it, but if people aren't doing it anywhere in this country, not mindful of the fact that we're still in a global pandemic, it's irresponsible, because you can hurt other people by carrying it to them, even if you don't get it yourself. That's been a good part of my mentality as far as bunkering down the last couple months. I don't want it on my conscience that I'm going to give it to everybody. And, and, and again, that goes back to what we said before, the whole thing of, like, if people only thought more about other people, generally thinking we'd be a lot better off in this way, and certainly in a racial way as well. Yeah, absolutely. And it's going to be interesting to see the fallout of this, of, like, you know, is there going to be a lot more, you know, all of a sudden? By everything you've been told, there should be, like, a huge breakout of coronavirus, correct? Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the, the times following this. Just to see, you know, in the next two weeks where it goes, because there's a lot of people that did not social distance all over this country. That's an excellent point. I guess, I, 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 I guess we're going to see one way or another what the severity of this virus is. Like, well, and I'm seeing. Know, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, not one, I'm not one of those that's like, I'm not one of those like, oh, it's all a hoax and all the group. I, you know, like you, well, um, I have, you know, my family, my, you know, I have people that I care about that are can be uh, more affected by this than I am. So I followed all the guidelines, and you know I see the reasoning behind it. But 
looking right now, it's like, okay, we're going to see because there's a whole other side that's completely, you know, those people that were marching off their guns for some reason we were talking about that. Somehow that was weird. <laughs> well, you know, shamefully, a lot of the, you know, what, what I would uh, call the uh, branch COVIDianism uh, here, the denialism of the virus, once again, a lot of that, I must admit, coming from my side of the spectrum, and it's the hardest core of the pro-Trump people who are just pissed in an infantile way that it appears to be interfering with his re-election, uh, although I would argue that how he's handling it uh, has had a lot more to do with it than the infections itself. But it's a thing where th this whole thing, you know, they're doing the neener, neener, neener stuff. Because when it was, you know, white weekend warrior militia guys who, believe me, I wanted to punch them in the face when they were doing things like taking their guns into the state capitol in Michigan and that kind of stuff. I was pretty pissed off when the anti-lockdown protests were happening. They're doing the neener, neener, neener stuff right now about that, oh, now all of a sudden protests are okay. That's one of the things I hate the most about what the public health officials have done is they've actually... I'm not saying given the high moral ground to these jerks, but it is something where they've many of them have blatantly contradicted themselves on the whole thing. Like, oh, these kind of protests are harmless. Actually, no. The disease doesn't discriminate against what kind of protest it is, and it's irresponsible and dangerous to say otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. So, you know, but again, people got to be intellectually honest, and I think that's one of our, I mean, we're making a lot of points here, but that's not, if you're looking for a single catch-all, that's not a bad one. Be intellectually honest, you know, be, be willing to listen, be willing to talk, be willing to, basically whatever, just, you know, open yourselves, open your hearts, whatever, good things will come from that, and this is one of these things where, again, you know, I, 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 I've, I've sort of struggled to enunciate exactly what it was that, that made me know that this segment would be the grand slam with you that it's been. But I think I, I think I finally stumbled on the right word. There are few people I know that are more open than you, Jake Digman, all the way around. One of the most open people. You are an open book, open whatever. You'll have whatever conversation with anybody. You'll consider whatever kind of point of view. And that's basically it. That's who you got to do a segment like this with. And that's why it crushed it the way that it did, as I knew it would. I appreciate the compliment, and, you know, I try to be that way, that just, you know, that goes back to the, you being a, a product of my environment, and of learning and being, and what I mean, you know, I, I had to be that way. Like, I got dropped into, you know, this, I got dropped into the world of mixed martial arts as a young kid going, oh, crap, who couldn't fight his way out of, like, unless it was a work, you know? Yeah. Like, and I'm dropped into this whole culture, and I was like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of, I grew up and learned, and I adapted, and, and I also have the benefits of being a part of that culture. Being a part of that culture, you know, we always like, you know, we're like Fight Club. You know, that, you know, we look at it in the time, you know, people are, you don't see, you, you see diversity, because everyone says, oh, I don't see color, you're full, you're full of crap, you see, everybody does. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, I hate that, you know, like, I see people, you know what, I see people, and I'm with people, you know, you see the different facets of people, and you find those things that you have in common with people, and that's how you bond, and I've been fortunate enough throughout the course of my life in different places of going, knowing people from different cultures, that I've been able to have a vast appreciation for that culture. I don't really come from a culture other than American, I guess. And right. That, like, you know, I wasn't raised with, you know, the Italian grandfather or the, um, I didn't, you know, the, the Irish. I didn't have that, you know, 
What? Right side of the Hens House, he had a cross, he had a picture of Ronald Reagan, and he had the Duke. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was just... Three for was, three. You know, it was just American right there. Yeah. <laughs> That's fine with me. I ain't mad at that. <laughs> you know? So it's just like, that's so... I've been blessed in that I've been able to meet so many people and be open-minded to experience these other cultures. Like, you know, one of the greatest examples of opening your mind to other cultures was Anthony, the late Anthony Bourbain. And he did that through food. I mean, that's one of the things I'm so, gracious, so grateful for, if nothing else through all of this, is the amount of food and different like, things that are enjoyable. Right. And as you see the, the good in everybody and say, oh, okay, so quick is everybody quick to point and be like, you're, I, I don't like you because you're not. And it's like, no, I'm like, okay. things where you look at it and I've had a lot of moments of fear the last couple months ever since the coronavirus crisis started the combination of not merely a pandemic but a depression like economic circumstance coming from it now this on top of it I mean I've I've seen stuff recently you know people making I think I retweeted one of these jokes about 2020 is like if 1918 and 1968 had a baby yeah, but you know what? You got to throw 1932 in there too, or whatever year you want to pick out from the Great Depression. Like this is the Spanish-American yeah. flu, the Great Depression, and the riots slash unrest of the '60s all in one toxic brew. I don't blame you for being scared because I'm scared as hell too. It's like what you know? It's like okay, what, uh, how do how do you come back? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> looking at it, it's like oh man, I yeah I. I uh, a pie chart or something. I think I shared it on online. It was like all the different things. And it said with your powers combined, I am 2020. Yeah. And it was Captain. It was Captain Planet. <laughs> so it was like all of like the Spanish flu, and it was a race riot, and then it was you know um, the Great Depression, and all these different things. There's five of them. I can forget the, the other two were. But it's like holy crap. It's like <laughs> I. <laughs> it's mind boggling. Like I think back, you know the mentality that I had in 2008 when I was very much a champion of, you know, you know, think, you know, think outside of the two-party system and as a two-party dictatorship and all this stuff. And now I'm like, oh my God, there's like an active military that our police has active military powers. And I would not be absolutely, I would not be shocked whatsoever if come November, all of a sudden, you know, martial law somehow got instituted as a result of what's going on in this country. And I'm not saying that to like incite fear. I'm just saying it going like, the way things have gone, that surprised me. Well, yeah, I mean, that I wouldn't, 
Only in the sense that I wouldn't bet against anything right now. I mean, what it would take to get from here and there is unfathomable, but it was unfathomable at the beginning of the year that we would have a global pandemic or a depression or this level of unrest in this country, and we got all three. So, you know, nothing's yeah. off the table, Jake Digman. We got murder hornets, man. Just murder murder hornets. hornets. At, uh, it's, it's absolutely crazy, but it's, it's the, hopefully this is a moment for people that, and I really, you know, goes back to giving like, you know, the faith in people, I guess. Right. <laughs> or hopefully this is a moment for more people wake up and see, okay, this is what's happening here, and they open their eyes and realize it. Because you, you can't force someone to do it. It just has to affect them in a certain way, and they have to see it, and they look at it, they step outside the box, and look at it and go, okay, yeah, now I feel like I've been played for a very long time. Well, and that's the thing. There's more that unites us than divides us, and that is a thing where, again, hopefully that will be, you know, the, maybe that's the maybe that's the end game for this thing, is that what we should be realizing, we may come to cling to as a survival instinct. You know what I mean? Like, at a certain point yeah. in time, if we get scared enough, we may not be able to continue going down this path just because of fear of where we're at. That might open hearts and minds, too. Yeah, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. It's just, I mean, I, you know, we've got to, we've got to continue with that idea or else, you know, what will the great? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, and again, and that's that's part of the whole thing with this show of, you know, there's always... Uh, whenever we're talking about anything more serious, it's it's always from an optimistic and idealistic perspective of how can we wade through this, how can we try to make sense of this, uh, and, and and try to have some answers on stuff. And and again, I or ideas for answers as, as this kind of is tonight. Again, I'm I'm not saying that uh, you know this kind of conversation that this has solved the world's problems or anything like that. But I'm proud to say it's a model for what should be happening all over the place with people talking to each other, hearing different things, learning from each other. So I'm very, very proud of that. And uh, more importantly uh, than that, more appreciative than I can tell you. Because uh, as, as high as my expectations were, this has still somehow exceeded them, which is a, a common occurrence with you, Jake Digman, and that is always appreciated. I appreciate the compliment. Yeah, it's, always, it's always good chatting with you, Rick. It's, it's to, to, to be able to so and i think that is definitely uh the case and that's the tone that we're trying to set with this kind of thing here and if you think back on it uh you know th this should put a smile on your face i mean the initial thing when jason jones and i the co-creators of this thing when we conceptualized this in late 2006 uh what we were thinking was because at the time this is simply a spin-off of fantasydrafthelp.com and some of the fantasy shows we were doing at the time of the thing of what if we tried to talk about everything the way that people talk about, you know, breaking down the aftermath of a sports game? And so I would like to think that uh, over the course of time we've been able to do that across the board. I know we did in this situation under 
Uh, I don't want to pat myself on the back by saying thankless circumstances, but in this climate where people are always looking to jump on you, and you know, I, I'm sure uh, I still gave people some stuff to be outraged about, although I couldn't fathom what that could possibly be. Uh, but like I said at the beginning, uh, you, people will find anything if they get mad. They're going to get mad. Right, right. But but your your willingness to concede that point and come on with me and risk backlash yourself, like I said, you're one of the bravest people I've ever broadcast with. So, you know, that was one of the things that, that quickly came to mind on why it had to be you. So, like I said, uh, always uh, appreciated. Uh, we'll be doing this uh, some more as we go forward here. Uh, we just uh, got the news that our boy Stipe Miocic is going to be defending the World Heavyweight Championship in August. We're going to have to talk about that as time goes along here. You're, so. you're, 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 you should come down and watch the fight, then we can do, like a, we can do a show right afterwards. We, we could. Yeah, we could. We could. I'll have that to look forward to. I appreciate it. And uh, always great to be having the conversations with you, uh, Jake, uh, as this one was. As I say, more appreciated than I could tell you. And in the same vein, thank you, everybody, for checking out this mini-episode of the FPH Lounge.